A big thanks to all of you for tuning in to the AFT Construction Podcast and all the support you've given us. We're super excited for our guest today, Justin Newman. He is president of Hardison Downing Construction. They're a large commercial contractor here in Phoenix, but do work all throughout the country. And Justin has 20 years construction experience, and he has a great background in commercial construction from alternative energy and public works to criminal justice and high-end residential. So we're excited to bring him on, and we're going to be speaking about employee empowerment, internship programs within the company, as well as self-performing. I have Justin Newman, president of Hardison Downey, a.k.a. our one-take wonder. As he mentioned, he doesn't need any editing. So welcome, Justin. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Yeah, it's great to have him here. So the reason we want to bring Justin on, he has a lot of experience uh, in the commercial world. And so we're going to touch upon this a little bit. So Justin, this will be a little bit of a longer question as we start, but you're now currently the president of Hardison Downey. Uh, Formerly, you were at McCarthy. And so, you know, the key to any successful company is having employees that are empowered. They have the authority to lead you know, make decisions. So think back to your role before becoming president, you know, how were you empowered in the years before? Yeah. Um, I, I would kind of take that in a two part deal, maybe life prior to HD and then, uh, you know, where I'm at currently, um, prior to HD, maybe one of the frustrating points at a extremely successful company, powerful company that's been at it almost 160 years that empowerment and, and entrepreneurial spirit sometimes isn't allowed to, to take hold, right? And, and maybe, uh, actually, I would say once I got to HD, I realized that was being suppressed in me. And the empowerment that I received once, once taking over as COO at HD and then moving into the president's position, um, I didn't know what I was missing. And being able to... Um, find new frontiers and push the envelope in, in different areas um, was incredible. And uh, Well, let's touch upon that yeah, because you're sure. talking about, you know, with any company that's been around for a long time, there has to be some sort of corporate structure, right? Yeah. Uh, they have processes in place for a reason. Absolutely. That's why they're successful. So how, you know, how have you changed that culture? Or how does that trust, how is that given? How do you let those reins go yeah. on those employees you work no, with? No, it's a, it's a really good question. It's, it's less about this is the structure you have to do and just setting guidelines. And it, it, I always talk about it as bumper rails. Here are the bumper rails. This is why you, this is the leeway that you have. The reason we have bumper rails is because we have enough experience to know if you go outside of those, that's danger zone. There's legal ramifications it, it, or, right? or safety or quality or fill in the blank. Right. If you give people the, those, um, those guard rails, um, I, I think they can still use those creative juices. They feel empowered. They know, hey, I have all of this leeway to do whatever I need to do in order to be successful in my in my projects. So, in years past, without throwing anyone under the bus or pri- no. previous companies, did you feel empowered? You know, previously before coming into this role, not, not a ton. No, I mean because again, I, I think they really have it figured out, and they do a tremendous job. Um, and it's not that you don't have leeway to make decisions, but there's a very um, uh, dedicated hierarchy to how you need to do things. And, um, and and I would say that's why they're very successful. So let me ask you then, now in your role as president of Hardison Downey, what have you done to empower some of your team? Yeah, uh, more than anything, um, I, I think of it in this way. As a, a type A personality and, and a leader, we always have our 
our way of wanting to do things. But what I've found and what brings me a lot of excitement is watching our team be able to um, have successes on their own without me standing over and over them and looking at them and, and saying, hey, you need to do it this way. When they have that, when they have those successes, uh, it sounds corny, but it's almost like being dad, right? Watching your kids succeed. Um, th they struggle a little bit. They find success and then they, they knock it out of the park. Um, that brings a ton of joy where before, maybe when you're operating at a lower level, um, success comes more in doing. Now success comes more from seeing your people succeed. And, and that empowerment, that peace uh, is, is really gratifying. Well, I think what's important, I know uh, we had lunch, you know, about a year ago, and you yeah. were talking about how one of the things that you saw that was super exciting is before there were certain projects that maybe Hardison yeah. would not chase, right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden now you're not only chasing these, but you're winning these. And yeah. you you had expressed the excitement seeing your team uh, just building that confidence. So how did you help sell that vision for them to now have confidence yeah. to say, we can go yeah. win this you know, this pre-construction yeah. meeting and, and make a good impression and win this project? Um, no, a great point. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was it was hard because, um, you know, the very first big pursuit for for um, a, a major client here in town, it was it was like, what we're gonna do what, right? And there that belief system wasn't there, but a lot of a lot of times it's it's just having somebody say, um, I believe in you, we can do it, and I'm gonna help, and and we're gonna we're gonna create that mo roadmap. Um, and, and showing them that they do have that wherewithal in order to be successful on, on tough projects like that. I think a lot of times in our own minds, we create roadblocks for ourselves just because maybe we haven't stepped off into the dark and said, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to go and, and really try this because it's uncomfortable. We haven't been there. We haven't done it. And it's, it's quote unquote scary. That scary piece of it, um, is perfect. It, that's 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 where the money's made that's the beauty of pushing the envelope and and i always talk about with with my folks and and sometimes i don't think they like it i'm never going to allow them to be comfortable i'm going to make them uncomfortable i'm going to push them into situations where it's like they don't think they can do it but i know they can and th those those uncomfortable situations just like going to the gym you know, and sorry, everything goes back to sports for me. It so, does. Same here. Uh, um, going to the gym and and working that muscle, you got to tear it down. You got to make it hurt in order for that growth to happen. And and it's the same. In my opinion, it's the same in business. We got to push our folks into those positions where they're uncomfortable and they have to stress and they have to strain, and then that growth really happens. Well, I mean, you hit on the head. You have zero growth unless you're uncomfortable, right? And so as leadership, I think that defines your leadership or leadership in general is that you're creating a vision. You know, we have the confidence we can and then you're you're empowering the people to give them a roadmap that they can go build and win this job so that when they're standing in front of that client at this pre-construction meeting, yeah. you know, you have that presentation dialed in. So, you know, with the staff that you have in place, I mean, you have a lot of uh, female executives, too, that have been tremendous assets Absolutely. to the industry. So. How have you utilized all of their talents and helped them achieve that potential to win these projects? Yeah, it, um, it's it's funny. Um, I think my wife brought it up. You know, hey, wow, look look at your leadership group. You know, you you've you've got s several ladies um, within your leadership team. 
and I never really thought about it that way. But as you start peeling the pieces back, um, intended that way, we think differently. Male and female think differently. The, the insight and the wherewithal that they bring and the discipline, I would say, that they bring um, to our leadership group is it, it, it makes, I believe, our leadership team much more powerful because here's the reality. Us men, <laughs> we, we go ego-based, pride-based, and um, sometimes bull in a china closet, and we're, and we're, we're pushing. Where, like my operations lead, um, Heather Marin, she's, she's kind of the, the pragmatic, hey, that's great. Let's let's think of it maybe in this this way, and and let's pragmatically and really be thoughtful about how we're pursuing it. So those those types of um, checks and balances, if you will, are are incredibly powerful, and, and it does it it improves our success. You know, to your point, it improves our success because we're really thinking about how we're going to go about things. Which I love. I mean, we have two females in our office. So Sue and McCall, who are, I, you know, they're our right-hand team for AFT. And they add so much insight and a different perspective, right? So yeah. as they're meeting with clients, they just have this different perspective and strategy uh, that we're not seeing and feeling. And so, you know, with them, that it's that, that give and take. And especially in construction, I think oh, yeah. we could use that a lot more oh, yeah. in our industry. Um, so, Justin, we often say, you know, as business owners, if I want something done right, <laughs> you know, I'll do it myself. So... How does a business owner change that mentality? It, yeah, it's uh, it's it's not easy. Um, but I would point to um, if you're spending time doing it as a as a business leader or business owner or president or CEO, if you're, you're if you're spending your time doing it, you are missing the forest for the trees. Um, so it's a it's certainly a discipline. Um, type of situation where you have to realize and it goes back to that empowerment deal you have to realize that you've you've created a team that you can trust and and then you have to ask the question if you if you can't trust them then there's there's your first problem if you can't trust them and you can't trust that it's going to get done then you have the wrong team and you need to start making hard decisions but once you get to that point where you do have the right people, empower them, let them do do their thing, put them in, in a position to be successful, and then you need to be looking at where is this company going? Strategically, how are we going to get there? A and then putting a, a basis of roadmap out there and, and then, again, power, empowering them back. Okay, here's where we, we need to go, team. Do you all agree? Yeah, okay. Now put, put the nuts and bolts to it. That's where your time should be spent, not in doing. If you're doing, you're you're minimizing the growth of your company. You're minimizing the impact your company has, it, it, or could have. You're minimizing the profit upside. You're minimizing all the places that you could go because you're not focused where you should be. All right, Justin. So along that point, you're talking about uh, you know empowering people, people that you can trust. So how are you building that talent pool? Good. Yeah. Good question. No. For for a good while, when when I first got to HD and just really evaluating our team and, and the players that we have, there was always something in the back of my mind, and I I, I couldn't quite put a put a finger on it. Um, and and I always was trying to find a, a reason we were doing different things. Um, and, and I I say this 
in great appreciation for who HD has been and um, who we are now, but also looking forward to, to who we need to become. Um, what we need and what we have to find is um, individuals that know what success looks like. And going back again to, to the sports analogy, you always hear people talking about they want to find winners. Well, yes, I agree with that. You, you, want, you want people to know what success looks like. More so than that, you want to know, you want to have people that know what, how hard it is to achieve success. So when I start to evaluate people, and in previous life I did it a lot at the, at the university level, and now it's a lot more on the professional level. Um, it, it, we always talk about it, 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 you, you want to find those people that, um, and this is, this is cliche, but I think you can really mine for it. Those individuals that know how to work hard, what is hard work? Um, and that's sometimes lost in translation. Um, Finding that that person that's that's been a, grew up on a farm and had to get up at four thirty in the morning every morning and still did well in school and and by the way Brad I don't care about GPA GPA I, I'm I'm a I'm a solid three point three point oh guy <laughs> and and that's great yeah it doesn't matter mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter what matters to me is you're you know how to work like it, it, and I it, not to talk about myself but I didn't have a great grade point average. What I did, though, is I, I played a college sport. I had two children that, that I raised while in school during the summertime because the NCAA wouldn't let me work uh, during school. I, I had a job that, that you know, I, I would grind it out at. So, so let it's, me interrupt it, you because what's interesting, I mean, you're hitting those points. So if you're thinking about hiring someone, it's not so much book smarts or, you know, it's never. not so much GPA. You're looking at the cumulative, you know, person you yeah. know everything that they're doing whether it be extracurricular Absolutely. like you said balancing family so they're I mean you had started a process in college where you're balancing collegiate sports you're balancing workload and family life yeah. which sets you up for success you know in your career because you're going to be managing those things anyways 100%. at that level so you know how well I'll say this too there's a, a mentor of mine and one of his uh, strategies he always told me when he hires someone he looks for someone that's super competitive and yeah. it doesn't mean they have to be an athlete but just super competitive because yeah. it aligns with everything that you're sharing yeah. so how how can you discern that when you're interviewing you know future hires or college students I mean is there yeah. anything you've learned you know in that hiring process uh, to if, identify those if, if there was a tried and true uh, you know I, I think I'd sell it a million books and, and be uh, you know rich like you but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, no. The wrong, the wrong guy. <laughs> um, no I, I think it's I, I get really tired of the bull crap, bull crap questions of you know what's your favorite color um, <laughs> nobody cares it, you know that that doesn't that doesn't get there um, but you, you know you can take the time and ask them be be deliberate in what you're you're talking to these folks about and and go a little bit deeper than the surface and you know talk to them about who their family is what's inspired them how they've how they've actually got to the path that they've got to what's the last thing service-wise that they've done you know in their life um so so you're not so much taking the psychological 
view of you know if you're an animal what animal would you be you know yeah, and then no. you're more looking what's your passion you know what I, I love that question what service have you done recently because you're trying to get inside yeah. of them to see where their value structure yeah. is right because you know at the end of the day anyone that we hire as an extension of us you know as, as we're building a brand as a company you have to have like-minded people you're whether it be their right, yeah, yeah demeanor personality how they communicate with your clients and staff and so i think that's super important um so with that said you know with Hardison, do you guys are are you looking at the college structure a lot when you're hiring yeah. to to the younger generation? Absolutely, um, yeah, and that's tremendously important. And you know, we target schools because of the type of of um, individuals we're able to get from those schools. And you know, it's it, it it's it it parlays into just like you're saying. Um, I want. I want our folks to be the frontline business development people because um, they have the most touches with the clients. I can get out and I can, you know, go grab a lunch or, or a breakfast or something with with our clients, but our folks see them, you know, five days a week, multiple touches, and how they're representing HD or AFT in your case is is wildly important. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that in and of itself and, and that understanding, you, you need to give that understanding to those individuals th- that their business development. Yeah, they may think that they're out there just building a project. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm just a project engineer out here pushing some metals, whatever. No, man, you guys are out there. You're the front line of our business development. And if you fail or if you have a bad day and you treat our client poorly, or if they look at you and, and think that your ethics aren't in line with what we state our ethics are, that reflects poorly upon us. And so getting those right types of people into your company is, is wildly important. I heard Eric Olson, who's the, the CEO of, of Mobile Mini, um, a couple weeks ago talking about it, and I finally put my finger on what was really bothering me um, over over time, you know, we've been trying to, to really focus and change our safety culture. And um, I wasn't, I, you know, I came from a, a culture that was tremendous, and that's a tip of the hat to, to what they, they've been able to do over at, at McCarthy. Um, and, and we're really working to grow our safety culture. What I couldn't put my finger on is, you know, why, why we're having such a hard time maybe I- incorporating and changing the culture and w- what because we have great people they, they're tremendous people but having people that recognize what great is what is a great culture um, and being able to intuitive, intuitively do it um, I think is is what we need to now get to so finding people that know what great is and really being able to share that and educate um, is and that that just perpetuates if you can find that in your company and truly have that paradigm shift into a a, a new realm if you will of this is how we're going to do things and nothing else is acceptable Um, and and you find those employees that that can do that uh, then it you found gold, and and for me, sorry, Brad. No, w- go ahead. W- w- for me, um, the most important way to do that is to grow from within and grow young engineers. Get those college age students, get them in, teach them the HD way, 
and bring them up that way. I love that because I, I want to digress a little bit on some points you made. There were two things yeah. that I want to address. And so, you know, one of them is that, that culture mentality because any successful company, sports franchise, they have a culture, right? Yeah. That's what separates. Great and, point. Yep. And, and a lot of these, going back to the sports analogy, a lot of these leagues have parity, right? They always want parity. They want they feel that parity gives everyone a chance to win. But despite the parity, like the NFL, it doesn't matter. The same teams are always winning. Why? Right. It's that culture, um, that leadership in the company. So are you guys strategizing? Because as you know, some of us, Nate, in your personality are good communicators. You know, they're good handling conflict. They're good in tough situations in construction. That's something we deal with on a daily basis, right? There's issues every day. So is are you guys doing certain trainings, you know, targeted trainings, role play, how do you instill that leadership or confidence yeah. in your younger staff on how they can communicate in those tough situations? Great, no, great question. That is for for my um, for me personally, goal wise, and, and one of my main focuses this year and and rolling into next year. So we talk about training, right? And and training is is um, can be viewed in a few different ways. My view of training. And, and maybe how we looked at it as a company prior to m me um, coming, uh, w w I think it was a little bit different. So my view of training, I can teach you um, how to turn on that computer, how to use the software pretty darn quick. Is that training? Yeah, maybe. I don't care about that. I can get anybody to show you how to do that. And it, it's uh, if it's a couple hours, Okay, what I'm more concerned about and what keeps people employed and wanting to come back is development. Development and training are two significantly different things. Development tells me that you're not only knowing how to do your job and doing it effectively, but you're on a path to become, or to take my job because I don't want to do this forever, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I got other things to do. So if I'm developing you and I'm showing you a path are you more excited than just toiling away as you know a, a low-level engineer or project manager or something? Absolutely. You know that there's there's opportunity for growth to move up and to become something um, that sometimes you may not even think that that you can become that. So, creating leadership development, creating a high potential group that says, okay, these are our future leaders, and and providing um, advanced leadership for those individuals. So, Justin, you know, speaking about that, when you talk about succession, if you're a smaller company, you know, how can you develop that, you know, that opportunity for them to develop and grow, even if you're not the biggest GC? Yeah, uh, I, I think it's I think it's good. In, I would say you need to start with with a succession plan, even if you feel like you have a good run, maybe 15 years in you. Um, it, it, it's something that you should be thinking about, even if you build that succession plan and you don't have all the names filled in, you don't have that person that's gonna be your successor in, in that role yet, you need, to, you need to start figuring it out. And I'm still of the opinion that younger is better. Find a young dynamic person that you can mentor all the way through the steps. One of the, the, the advices, and, and this is me um, self-reflecting on, uh, on myself as a young individual, um, I was always anxious to get to the next step. What's what's the next opportunity? What's the next opportunity? Trust the process. I mean, that's a that's another cliche from sports, but it's very powerful. In in you need to know each step, and you need to know 
deeply how to how to do that because if you're going to be entrusted to run a company if you don't know what an engineer does or if you don't know what the, the admin does or if you don't know the, the the you know the entry level positions in your company and you don't know what they do and the, the effect that they have on the overall bottom line you're at a great disadvantage um, and so I would say start with a start with a succession plan and then build around that plan. Okay, in order to make this happen, even if it's in 15 years, what needs to happen today? What needs to happen in five years? What needs to happen in 10 years? Oh wow, I'm getting close. Okay, and now I need to, I within that, I'm going to be gone in five more years. I need to pinpoint that person now with five years left and really start to put them in a, in a leadership development. And and you don't have to have all the re resources in house. Th there are great companies that can help leadership development that can help mentor and continuing education for your absolutely. staff absolutely yeah um and those there's there's uh, there's ways but don't don't be blase fair about going and, and finding those those companies you really need to to vet them because you're putting the future of your company in their hands and their what training and what style so you should really understand what they're what they're offering well it's interesting because one of my other questions you know that i that I had noted while you were, you know, speaking through this was how do you set that expectation with clients from the beginning? You know, as the president of the company, you know, you're going to be working in business development. You're kind of starting to, you know, build this relationship with the client that at some point you have to hand that off. Right. Yeah. And there, there's two parts of this. There's one, how do you set that expectation with the client? But then from an internal perspective, you're alluding to that by saying, you know, as we empower people, some on the vision, develop them, they're groomed, they're ready to go, you know, to hit the ground running as soon as I hand this off to them. So, yeah. but going back to the first part of that, how do you set that expectation with the client where they may have a relationship with you, Justin, and yeah. now they're working with yeah. a different PM? And I, and I try to be very uh, upfront with with our clients. And, and I think there's there has to be a level of trust there. What I'll f say first, I think it, I think it varies with different clients and um, I, I hope this doesn't sound uh, well I'll just say it um, the, the and the sophistication of that client right do they know construction are they are they um, are they familiar with the process and and you know what we do <clears throat> in a, in a lot of cases um, ASU, for example, they don't they don't want to hear from me. They know that they're not going to be dealing with me on a day to day basis. I have relationships. They they want to be able to trust the top person, but they want to meet the superintendent, the PM, the PE. Who's coming off the bench, right? That they want to know mm -hmm. those people. So if they ask to to go to an interview, they say we do not want to to see top leadership. We want to see the PM, the the, the superintendent. But but how do you deal with that if it's not somebody like like an ASU? Well, what you do is you set that expectation early. Hey, Joe, I I know we have a relationship. Um, trust me, this guy. I don't know. You don't have to say trust me. That's that's lame. But look, you know my guy, so and so, they got it. Or Rebecca, she's she's killer. She's gonna take care of you. She's got it. Well, um, let me let me interrupt you for a second, yeah. and I don't want to give away all your secrets, but I know one thing you do that's that's pretty unique or something that I really like is that 
you'll put together almost a resume of your staff. Absolutely. You have a headshot. I was given one of your supers a hard yeah. time, Jason. Yeah. Cause he, he showed up to the side and he's like, Oh, Justin, maybe go get this headshot. And I've been teasing him every day about <laughs> modeling now that he has a side modeling gig. Right. But I think there's value there. You're investing in your staff to go get headshots, but now you're utilizing these headshots Absolutely. with a little bio. And so you're almost given a handover presentation to the client. So you, they know who right. they're working with. Well, th- thanks for the, <laughs> thanks for knowing my business, business <laughs> no. better than me. No, um, no, we do. You're absolutely right. And, and a lot of clients, again, I think that goes to some of the sophistication of, of who the client is. A lot of the, the clients that we're working with are asking for that. They're asking for, show me the people that are going to be on my job because they're spending millions, right? They're spending a, a boatload of money for you to come in and they want to be able to trust that you're sending the right people. Um, so we do do that. You're right. Um, we, we give a full write-up. We give a full resume. Um, and then in so much that we're, we're telling them logistically how we're going to approach their project, how we're going to um, ensure that we're being good stewards of their property, of their money, um, and of their, their project. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's, it's too, um, it, there's too much risk for a client if they don't know who's going to be out there. And that's, that's scary. Well, I think that's super important because if I'm not mistaken, a lot of your work is negotiated, right? Yeah, so absolutely. you're interviewing and it's not so much set on budget, but maybe budget has some things, preliminary budgets, preliminary schedule, what you're guessing. Yeah. You know, that, that is part of it, but you're putting together a presentation on here's who we are as a brand, as a company, yeah. here's my staff, here's the people there. Yeah. And that's how you're winning over these clients. You're, no, you're 100% right. And, and that goes back to what we were talking about too, is as far as the front line being, being the first the first line of, of BD that we have or business development that we have um yeah you're you're spot on and we we have to do a good job consistently and you know what's crazy you know um I I I love the the social media following that you have and and everything that you do um and we're you know we're pushing into that realm we don't do any marketing we don't we're not out there a lot of what we're doing is because of word of mouth owners talking to architects architects talking to other owners well word of mouth is only as good as your execution right yeah and i can say that probably one of the top investors in town one of the top clients in town you know you guys have been unanimous doing every single one of these projects and that's not going to happen unless you built that rapport with that client. We we've been blessed with that. Yeah, you're 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 hundred percent right. And and I, I think we're talking about the same individual. He's he, he it's no nonsense. If if we had one misstep, um, or we sacrificed on quality or safety or um, in any way betrayed his trust. We'd, we would have been out a long time ago, but, we, you know, we're working on 20 years um, with him, and, and it's it's tremendous, and, and we're very, very grateful for that relationship. Well, well, how do you manage that in this economy? Because in commercial construction, you're typically dealing with jobs that every day that it's late, it's costing the owner thousands of dollars yeah. potentially, so there's liquidated damages. So with the labor shortage, how are you guys managing that expectation and timeline? I think it's twofold, Brad. One, we're very transparent all the way through what we call pre-construction, construction and then and then the closeout process so that transparency we tell them this is this is the the state of the union in, in construction right now this is how difficult it is to to get people out to your job this is what we think this the construction schedule should be and, and we're very 
we're very, very transparent all the way through that process. Um, and then the, the second part of that is um, we try to be what we, t we tell them, we try to be their construction company just down the hall. You know, we do operate separate from them, of course, but um, it, it, they, they're right in the middle of everything that we're doing. So there's no guesswork. You're right. Right now, it's you know getting people just to show up to your job because they've got so much more going on, and and the squeaky wheel gets the the grease, is is huge. But because of our relationships um, within the industry, with the subcontractor community, they know we run a good job. They know that we pay on time, and they know that they're going to get fair treatment. So um, in a lot of cases, they'll come, and even even if we're not the squeaky wheel. They'll show up because we're we're scheduling them appropriately. We're getting them noticed appropriately, and they they know when they they're supposed to show up to our job. So, I think those those things really help us maintain really really good legacy clients like like we're talking about. So I know when you started with Hardison, one of your goals was, and this is alluding maybe to labor shortages. You know, was to begin yeah. some in-house work. You know, some self-performance there for some of the subcontracting. So, um, what? You know, what were some of the challenges and now starting, you know, when you're a GC and then now you're starting to self-perform, what are some of the challenges you've encountered with that I, startup? I, I think the biggest challenge <laughs> was, you know, going back to what we were talking about early on in, um, in the cast is convincing people that that's something that we can do. That's that's you're, now when you talk about growth and being uncomfortable, you're you're not only getting them uncomfortable and chasing some projects that have been above yeah. your scope before. But now in addition to that, you're complicating it by self-performing some yeah, of that. Bringing, bringing it in-house. So that was, that was complication. I think number one, um, number two, it's, it's, it's risky business, right? And convincing myself that we have the expertise in order to, to, um, procure and execute on the work appropriately. So, you know, as you sit back and you 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 look at it as as the you know the the quote unquote leader of the the group, um, we have that fiduciary responsibility back to the shareholders of the company, right? We're an employee-owned company, so um, there's a thousand people that expect you to to make the right decisions and then return back. So, the the next I think hurdle for me was really convincing my gut that 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 was something that we should do. Um, but it's been tremendous. So, you know, we first, we first jumped off into, um, underground utilities, wet and dry utilities. And, uh, what I would say is, um, we were fortunate to get the right, uh, people talent. Running. Yeah, absolutely. The right talent that, that was needed in order to mitigate the risk because, I mean, let's let's face it. If you if you know what you're doing and and you can execute at a high level, that risk is is certainly minimized. But let me say this: it's still the riskiest work that we do. It is because what's fascinating to me, just from getting a little tech in construction, it's one thing to say I'm going to start yeah. a landscape company and per self perform, right? Yeah. Or do some you know some drip systems and and sprinklers and it's another thing to say i'm going to take on the wet and dry utilities because now you're going underground right yeah. sometimes 20 30 feet yeah. your live connections you know things are hot as you're tying in whether it be electrical or wet you yeah. know and trench boxes so you're taking that challenge to a whole new level yeah. with that mentality so 
what's what's a part of that evaluation too is okay what's your competition so you start to so this is where the business side of of how you evaluate it comes the strategy in. side strategy yeah mm-hmm. so you look at it and say okay barriers to entry what are they number one and then okay you get over those where's your competition and what's the upside if you're if you're able to you know figure out that mousetrap what's what's your upside and and can you beat the competition that's out there competition is pretty minimal it's it's surprising when you start to look across the landscape of you know the metropolitan area here um how many people don't do that work and well it's tough it's it's, risky it's risky and 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 you can really you you know it's a great profession but you can lose too quickly when you're working in soils and land development you can and and one one of the things we constantly talk about and i don't let our folks forget is it's a it's the most risky work that we do people don't survive being hit by a track hoe people don't survive with 20 20 feet of of dirt falling down on top of them um our projects I, i say it all the time our projects are trying to kill somebody every single day that's the truth it exponentially increases when you have risky work with big track hose big you know you have to understand you need to make sure that your engineering is correct uh, as far as that that trench is concerned you need to make sure that your engineering is correct uh, when you so put that trench, testing yeah. all of it mm-hmm. and then you know you look out the window today and we've had how many inches of rain. of rain so those conditions constantly change um, and so staying on top of it and having, again, having people that you trust that are out there that are evaluating that and saying, okay, we've had an inch and a half, two inches of rain. Now what has that done to, to, the, to the soils? Now what do we need to do? And just really evaluating it on that level. And you hit it on the head earlier in the podcast too, is talking about safety, that safety culture, because one thing I look at, we're, you know, on the project we're working with you guys right now, you know, as you're tying in all the offsite work, yeah. and now you're going into the street, and Public. you know you have traffic aids up, and you have equipment, and you have people standing by, and the risk. I I, I look at that and how you guys have managed this because all you need is one driver texting, yeah. which most of them are doing and not paying attention, yeah. guiding just a little bit and hit one of your employees on the side of the road. Yeah. I mean, there's so much risk involved. You know how and you and, and the sad part about that we usually we're the ones to blame. Yeah. Even if they were distracted yeah. and not paying attention, we're, we're, because we were in the we were in the road. Um, so yeah, it's stuff that keeps me up at night all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Well, there's some strategy involved. I know you there guys is. try to, like you said, you're trying to always mitigate that risk. And so maybe you're working at night, you know, at yeah. 1 a.m. when there's not as many people yeah. out when you're doing some Absolutely. of the bigger connections. You know, going back to the hiring thing, because yeah. one thing that I think a lot of companies get hung up on is. When you're trying to create an internship program, yeah. it's super valuable, right? We've talked about that by the ability of bringing young talent that you're now grooming and, and teaching, but there's a big expense. So have you seen the return on that? Because there's a lot of expense and dedicated staff to do the training and hiring and internships. What what have you seen to be successful? What with I will tell you is um, I would shift that mindset. It's not a huge expense because – and, and it's – so if you just if you just saying dollars and cents, I'm gonna pay this person seventeen bucks an hour for for three months over the summer. Is that really a big expense? Probably not. I mean, it, we can all we can all say I can I can afford a couple thousand bucks investment in my company. Um, where I think the expense 
and it's hard to, to find out what the ROI is when you're going to the university and you're spending the time up, you know, wherever you might be going and um, you're really asking your, your people that do half day jobs to go out there and start evaluating because I, you, you know, our, our, we have great HR and we have great people, but I want our operations folks making the decision on who's going to be in the trenches, you know, quote unquote, in the trenches with them because um, the, the one of one of the guy that I really look up to that that taught me a lot about hiring and um, and mentoring people he always said this the, the easiest evaluation when you go to a university is is that the person you want watching your back if you're down in you know in the in mm -hmm. the foxhole and if you just put it in that that simple perspective meaning and and I don't you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to those that that go and fight and in, in, in battle, which is, is yeah, real. Most definitely. It, it's, it's certainly, a, it's not about that. It's, it's about who can you trust? Can you trust it? Because it gets hard on these big multi-million dollar multi-year projects. It gets hard. And are they going to grind it out there with you? And if that's the person you believe is going to grind it out with you, then you've made a good, good selection. Now, let me go back to, to, you know, the investment part of it. Um, we found that and we've we've started the the intern program we found that over 80 percent of the people that we bring in were continuing into the hiring process that's so rather than going out and and having to pay a recruiter or having to pay you whatever absorbent prices for for others we're finding good young people that have good heads on their shoulders we get a test drive them right we we get three months to put them in the in the fire, and that's what we do. We don't say, "Oh, go make these copies." Go, you know, no. They're full fledged engineers. They're they're looking at RFIs. They're writing RFIs. They're they're looking at submittals. <laughs> they're doing everything that our engineers are doing, and it's a test run for us. And we're really taking that time to evaluate them and saying, "Is this an HD real candidate? Yeah, yeah. Is it, or or not?" Um, so it gives you a trial run. It, it does. Oh. It absolutely does. And and we tell them the same thing. This is your this is your trial run to test us out. Mm -hmm. Are we are we a fit your for three you? Your three-month working interview, right? That's right. Are we a fit for you? And um, it's been tremendous for us. We we really we've had really really good success in since we've we've set up our program. And it it doesn't take a lot. You need to have you need to be mindful about the 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 PMs and the projects you're sending them to. That that would be the first thing that I would say. And you need to be mindful about um, the the evaluation process. You can't say, you know, how was how was how was Joey? You know, was how they they do the summer? Oh, they were good. Well, that's not a true evaluation. Have, be very deliberate in the questions that you ask about how successful they were, what they did. How they how they approach things? Did they have some grit? Did they really grind and go and and push? Um, Communication, did, you did know, they, yeah, motivation. Did they, did they want to get out in sight and really learn? Did they spend time with the superintendent and ask them, "Hey, you know, what are you doing?" Um, those are again, just be deliberate about how you're evaluating those those young individuals. And and if you're doing that, you're really going to get your bang for your buck. So that's some great sound advice. I think for anyone thinking about starting an internship program in your company, you're alluding to this. I mean, you have to have some sort of processes there. Yeah. I mean, there's a little investment in the recruiting side, asking the right questions, but yeah. then you need to have some systems so you're not just taking the end of the pier and kicking them off, right? Yeah. 
but more than anything, it gives you uh, an ability to train and really vet this candidate before they're coming to join your firm. So what could some of these employees, you know, whether they be college students or in the construction field that want to join your team, what should they be doing? What are things they should be working on or focusing on? I would say um, there, there's a, f- f- just for me, there's a, there's a few things. Um, if, if they're sitting down with me, I'm going to probably be a lot different than, than most people that are interviewing and asking them. But the, the, the easiest thing I would say is be involved and, and show that you're involved and you're doing something. Um, the, the guy or gal that has a 4.0 that um, didn't, didn't really do anything in, in college, um, that, that isn't real appealing to me. And, and they may be wildly intelligent, but I want to know somebody that, that's, that's going to be a grinder. Um, because there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of satisfaction, Brad, in what we do, right? You get a great project at the end and you can look at it and say, Hey, I built that, but getting there, there's days where it's, it, you just got to grind. Um, so, uh, so getting and you need, you need an ability to balance, right? Yeah. Just so many moving parts and risk and all that things. I mean, you yeah. need someone that's done that already that yeah. can do that now. And, and that's, that was, that was the next thing is find any opportunity you can. Even if it's you see a construction site that that's near the university, there's always a number that has the, the responsible party. Call that superintendent or call that project manager and ask them if you can go walk with them and, and ask them questions. Though that kind of stuff shows your initiative, shows your passion, shows that you care about what we're going to do. Because uh, again, if, if if you know if you're not passionate about what what we're doing here as far as construction is concerned. Um, you're you're gonna th- you're gonna find that that it's it's tough it, it, because um, I love construction I love the grind I mean it, you know it's like me walking between the white lines again and and just going out there to battle because it's it's awesome it, it you know it's incredible um, but it does take a, it does take a, a a different kind of mindset and mentality and and I love it definitely not for the faint of heart right <laughs> no. So, so let me ask you then, I mean, you know, thinking about your history now, now yeah. in your role as president, um, anytime, you know, you're in that leadership role, there's a lot of challenges to manage that stress. Yeah. So what are things that you do to manage the stress level of running a construction company? Yeah. Um, I think my, my family's got a big part in that. Um, my wife's. Also. Well, how's that possible? Cause your wife's an executive yeah, too say, in a competing a, firm. So. <laughs> so, uh, she gets it. Um, you know, luckily she's on the on the corporate and finance side, so um, you, you know she can she can sympathize and know enough of what I'm talking about that you know um, I can I can vent and and uh, it, it's or it's, maybe she needs to vent to you. Right? <laughs> it's the same, yeah. Um, but the the other the other thing I do is um, you know I, I I like to to get up early, get in the gym, um, spend spend some time getting ready to work out, uh, read. Um, ponder and then uh, and then get after it in the gym and and that there's there's a lot of clarity um, and a lot of good decision making that comes early in the morning in the gym and I I, (laughs) my poor people I stop a lot and I send a lot of texts or emails uh, in the middle of my workouts because in between each rep uh, because I do get some some clarity and uh, that's important. I mean, it, it, it's important. You, and you, you hit it right on the head. There, there's 
there is stress. There's concern that comes with, with what we do. And um, you, you got to find a way to, to release that. Otherwise, you're going to be a miserable wreck. So what would you tell someone? I mean, most business owners, you know, you, you get in that grind and you're busy. You're working 24-7, it seems. So how do you take that break? I mean, how do they make time yeah. for that healthy lifestyle? Several years back, um, I don't even remember. It was another podcast I was listening to, and it, 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 was, a, it was a dude talking about um, routines and the, the, how many successful people have a routine. And that resonated with me. I don't know for for what reason, but that resonated with me, and that's I completely changed how I did things in my life. and And one of them was, um, I was always hit or miss, and I, and I love working out, um, and and getting my sweat on. But um, I, I you know I would do it after work or in the evening, afternoon, and I, and it was a there was a few factors. I, I felt guilty because I was missing time with the family, and you know I. Sometimes I was working too late, so I couldn't get to it. Um, so I was like, just get up early, dude, and, and change that routine. So what I would tell, you know, guys that, that, are, that are running their, their own company, figure out a routine. Sleep, yeah, you can sleep when you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> get up a little bit earlier. Um, you know, uh, there's – you, you can figure out your body, you know, how much sleep you really need. I'm a solid six hours. If I get six, I'm good. And, and no under, and that's the other thing, understand your body, understand what you need, be healthy and, and get yourself, uh, get yourself going. And if you do that, you'll, you'll realize how much time that, that you can carve out in your day. The other side of that is be disciplined with your calendar. And, and I have a, I have a great assistant that really helps me be disciplined with my calendar, and um, I I define it as what are your high payoff activities in a day? What do you have to do? What do you need to get to? Um, and, and I just define those as high payoff activities. If it's not a high payoff activity, um, do you really need to be in there? And what detriment what detriment are you um, are you are are you putting on that situation or bringing that situation if you are sitting in that meeting? There was operations meeting that I can consistently after I became president I was continuing to go into and I would dominate the conversation and I was like what the hell are you doing get out of there that's Heather's meeting that's the director's meeting let them have their meeting if there's anything that needs to come to me out of that meeting Heather will do a good job and she'll bring it to me I don't need to be there I don't need to sit in that meeting for three hours and grind through you know how many nuts and bolts are going <laughs> into a project that's and it goes back to what we were talking about before. I will empower them to do their job and let them do their job, and they'll 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 do it just fine. So it's interesting. I've I've been making some notes, you know, throughout our conversation, yeah. and I think for anybody listening, uh, there's a lot of valuable points that you've given, Justin. You talk about routine, right? That everybody, no matter your role, yeah. set a routine, set set a a disciplined schedule. You know, you talk about delegation. You talk about empowerment, uh, a targeted approach. You know, a healthy lifestyle, right? The more healthy you are, yeah. the more effective you'll be. What I really like is you say high payoff activities, you know, that's that efficiency. How are we being efficient? So I think that's, you know, there's a lot of strategies in there that, you know, I need to apply uh, apply myself. So, you know, with these things all in mind and the basis of the conversation, what are you excited about next with Harvison Daily? What's upcoming? I, I I love the direction we're going, dude. I mean, I, I get permagrin when when I think about <laughs> you're smiling big right yeah, now. Yeah, I think about our team. What I what I get excited most um, is um, the 
the folks that we have in leadership positions and watching them succeed. What we talk about is, you know, the the jobs, the success is going to, it'll take care of itself. As long as we're putting the right people in the right positions, that stuff, um, it, it, and it, it sounds it sounds goofy that it's going to take care of itself, but but you have the right people executing. It's just like, again, you know, when when I think about building a team, you, you can't have a wide receiver playing offensive guard. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Yeah. Put those people in the right positions to be successful. The, Understand know, what they're good at, their talents, you, and let them optimize to. those. You have to. Jim Collins had it right. Put them on the right the right seat on the bus. Mm-hmm. And and if you if you're not doing that, that's your fault. It's not theirs. And so many times we're quick to make judgments of so and so is a jackass because he can't get it done. Really? Well, have you really put him in a position to be successful with his with his skill set? Why are you putting that wide receiver in in, a, in an offensive lineman position? It doesn't work. We're inhibiting their growth and their opportunity it, it to be successful. Work. You're yeah. exactly right. And so, um, and let me interrupt and you. And that's a good to great quote. And you know, that's not me. That's that's Jim Collins. And I don't know if you read that book, Good to Great. It's it's, it's phenomenal. It's book. great. That's one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, and, and you know, put put people on the right seat because. Um, well, here's You'll the thing. see them flourish. You know, before we talk about some of the exciting projects in, in future, yeah, yeah. I, you know, one thing I'll give kudos to you is one thing I've realized in all of our relationships with Harrison Downey and your staff is everyone that I've worked with and seen there, there's a couple things that stand out. They're all happy, right? They're super personable. They're always smiling. Good. They're not miserable. They're, you know, so there's that, that candor that, you know, the way that they feel about their position and opportunity. And so that shines, right? I think any successful company has people that have that happy, that general Thank you happiness, for saying right? That. And no, they do. I and that. I can name 10 of them right now that yeah. I've worked with that all have that same Thank you. demeanor. That's, that's very nice of you to say. I, I appreciate it. So no wonder why you have so many good things happening. So <laughs> what are some of the neat projects you have coming up no, to our listeners? I, I, I love it. So one, one project that I'm really excited about is um, it's called Entrada. It's at 64th and, and McDowell, and, and we've been selected it's a it's a sizable it's a significant project and i think it's going to be a great um anchor to that south scottsdale uh corridor um so the developer came to us you know um we're we're building a significant amount of of uh multifamily right in there you know high-end nice multifamily so uh, two different parking garages um and then some retail and a, a, an office building and what that'll do for that area, you know, the it, that was the old auto complex down there, and you know now it's it's just vacant land. And I think what that development will bring to to South Scottsdale is is uh, is tremendous. And and we're very fortunate to be selected to to do that. And like I said, it's a it's a pretty significant uh, project. Um, what else do we have going on? You know, so you we, did some work up in Flagstaff, right? Yeah, you we did some at NAU at your we, alma mater. My my beautiful alma mater. We so we yeah recently finished the the honors college for Northern Arizona University and the beautiful sta- sandstone building. Uh, my daughter is actually at school up there. That's awesome. And uh, she she went and and I don't know. I think a, a friend of hers is is in the honors college. And she's like, holy cow, Dad, this is nice. And I was like, yeah, wh- weren't you in the Honors College? <laughs> um, but no, that's, that, that, that's a, it's a great project for us. Obviously, the Leighton Lakes deal, um, being able to help you guys is tremendous for our civil group. 
Um, we're excited about the Novus corridor for ASU. ASU is a, a huge player, obviously, in, in, in town. And um, we're building a 1,200-car parking structure and, and are actually talking about expanding that, probably another um, 1,500 uh, cars. Uh, and we're, we're, we're not even halfway through construction on it. Right? So it's, it's an exciting project. Right there in Tempe, we've got Novus 3B in the, in the Novus corridor. Uh, we've got Tempe Crossroads, which is a student housing project there in Tempe. We almost, it's close to $300 million of, of work just right there in Tempe. Um, between the Apollo project, Tempe Crossroads, Novus 3B, and the, and the parking structure. So what, what keeps that passion going about commercial construction and what you're doing and what's on the Yeah, Yeah, um, you know, when I, when I was in college and kind of looking at what I wanted to do and, you know, there was residential and, and I always thought, you know, ah, residential, that's easy. Well, what I've learned is there's nothing about construction that's easy. There's nothing. Um, it's all hard. Uh, but it's all very gratifying. Um, but I just, I like the, the complexity or, or what I thought was the complexity of the construction world, and, and that still drives me today. Um, like I said before, when I, was, when I was younger and running projects, um, it was the satisfaction of, of building something and now it's the satisfaction of watching our teams succeed that's huge and that's that's what keeps me uh super excited about what we're doing well justin you've been an amazing guest i i can't uh, thank you enough for the, all the insights you've given um so thank how, you. how thank you yeah how can our listeners find you yeah, how can they find hardison yeah, downey I, I and gotta, justin newman i gotta pull out my my cheat sheet here brother <laughs> um I should ask Cal. He, he can step in for me. Yeah, so, we do have your marketing man here. Yeah, so. We, yeah. So we're we're on Facebook at uh, lowercase Hardison Downey, uh, on the Twitters, uh, <laughs> uh, a, lowercase HD uh, capital uh, Phoenix, all capital letters, and then um, you can find us on LinkedIn at Hardison slash Downey slash Construction. And for all of our listeners, make sure you check. You know, we'll be posting this throughout our social media channels. We'll make sure we have you tagged so our listeners can find you, follow yeah, what you guys are doing. I it. know uh, th they're doing some amazing work. They're a great asset here in Phoenix and throughout the country. So make sure and give them a follow. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Thank you all for tuning in to our podcast today with Justin Newman. Uh, it was great to have him on and share his experience that he's had over the years. And we're super excited for next week's episode. We're going to bring J.J. Levinsky back for our second episode. And this is a discussion about GMP versus cost plus. So this is guaranteed maximum price and cost plus. What are some of the benefits from the contractor point of view? What are the benefits from the customer point of view? And what does it entail? What is the reason that you'd want to do one or the other? So stay tuned as we discuss GMP and cost plus on next week's.